And grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and, and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, I'd like us to consider the opening words to the uh, Old Testament reading from the prophet Isaiah chapter 63. And, and I'm going to reread uh, re the first couple verses of this text, and it's really a prayer and, and it's uh, the beginning of a prayer where Isaiah is asking the Lord to bring about the redemption that he has promised. And it's in light of and in the midst of great rebellion among God's people of that day. But here's how this prayer begins. I will recount the steadfast love of the Lord the praises of the Lord according to all that the Lord has granted us and the great goodness to the house of Israel that he has granted them according to his compassion, according to the abundance of his steadfast love. For he said, surely they are my people, children who will not deal falsely, and he became their savior. But I want us to think about the opening words of this prayer. What a, what a call upon us as God's people to live in this spirit and this truth every day. I will recount the steadfast love of the Lord. I will recount the steadfast love of the Lord. You have my word. Have you ever heard that said before? You have my word. And you know, when you hear somebody say that to you or hear it said to me, it can, we can re receive it kind of in a skeptical way because people are not always upfront and honest with that word, right? We live in a sinful world. We have sinful lives. We live in a world of broken promises and empty vows. And many pledges are made only to be forgotten. Assurances are given and then they're ignored. Words can be spoken with great fanfare, things like, oh, I'll always love you, or now we hear it through the internet, through social media, we're BFFL. Do you know what that stands for? Best friends for life. I have to look some of these up once in a while to figure out what they are. Or somebody will say, well, you can count on me. Or how about this one? Till death do us part. But you know, words can be like autumn leaves in November, or dare I say, December winds. And that's why we're kind of a bit skeptical when someone says, you have my word. But it's different when God speaks. How about the very first words of Scripture? In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep. What does God do? God speaks. He says, let there be light, and there was light. And when God speaks his word, it's just not mere talk about something, but God actually does what he says. We have his word. And what a powerful word. You know, consider these verses that extol the power of God's word from this same prophet Isaiah. For instance, in chapter 40, we hear, 
The grass withers and the flowers fade, but what? The word of our God stands forever. Or Isaiah again in chapter 55, my word will not return to me empty. The most powerful force in the world, literally, is God's word. It's God's word, isn't it, that called Abraham from Ur in the land of the Chaldeans. It's God's word that spoke to Moses from a burning bush. It's God's word that gave manna and quail in the wilderness. It's God's word that thundered from Mount Sinai and spoke to Elijah in a still, small voice. God's word even made dry bones come to life. Standing on their feet is a vast army. And you can just ask Ezekiel about that, who uh, God revealed that to. God said it, and that settles it. Faith believes it. We have his word. We have God's word. And we are so very blessed. You know, God's word is more than an element of speech in an ink mark or a sound or an idea. In fact, God's creative word says, let there be light. God's creative word uh, proclaims that the word became flesh, right? And dwelt among us. And that's what John writes today, uh, uh, or that's what John writes in his gospel in, in chapter one. We hear the word became flesh and dwelt among us, full of grace and truth. And you know, John could have written, the word became a body or the word became a man. He might have said the word became a person or the word became a human being, but instead he writes, the word became flesh. Very significant. You know, when that term was connected with the idea of gods in the sophisticated Greek and Roman world of the day, uh, they would recoil from any connection to the flesh. In fact, flesh to them was doomed to be destroyed. The last thing you would want to do as a god is take on flesh because you are spirit and flesh is worth nothing. No god in his right mind would ever deal with anything as degrading as flesh. And yet, isn't this what we celebrate this Christmas season is exactly what our God did. The Word became flesh. And you know, the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we are blessed to know that the Word, the Son of God, God's Son who became flesh, He is with us now and for eternity as He promises. I am with you always. Oh, we recount the steadfast love, don't we? The steadfast love of the Lord who becomes our Savior as Isaiah prophesies in this great prayer. The Word who became flesh came in no ordinary way either, right? But came as a baby cradled in Mary's arms. He saw the first ray of sunlight at creation and heard the first crash of a wave when God gathered the sea waters together in creation to form the oceans. There the Word was with God, and the Word was God, we hear in Scripture. Did you catch that? The Word was God. The same God who said, let there be light, 
became flesh in the body of a Jewish peasant girl named Mary. It's amazing as we recount what God has done. The word, though, didn't change into flesh. The word didn't morph into flesh. The word didn't transition into flesh. This isn't what John writes. If the word changed, morphed, or transitioned into flesh, he would no longer be God, right? But remaining what he was, Christ Jesus became what we are. What an incredible revelation from God. Remaining what he was, God, Christ, became what we are, flesh. And so in the Gospels, this point is brought home clearly to us as we follow the accounts of Jesus being led to trial before Pilate. And Pilate has Jesus' flesh torn and dressed in purple and crowned with thorns. And then he brings Jesus before the crowd, doesn't he? And remember what Pilate said? Behold the man. Behold the man. Here is the man, flesh and blood, a beaten body. And this is God we are taking, talking about. The God who is dismissed, demeaned, and left for dead, but not for long. Oh, we recount the steadfast love of the Lord who became our Savior. Isaiah says that God's word endures forever, and it accompanies that, or accomplishes that for which God sent it. God's word defeats the darkness. God's word defeats death. John outruns Peter to the tomb, looks in, and believes. Jesus says, Mary, and Mary Magdalene cries out, Rabboni. The Emmaus disciples recognize, <coughs> excuse me, the risen Christ and the breaking of the bread. And when he sees the Savior's flesh marked with scars, Thomas exclaims, my Lord and my God. Sin is forgiven. Death is defeated. The grave is defeated. Death is dead. Think about, as we recount, how blessed we are. We recount the steadfast love of our Lord who became our Savior. You know, funeral eulogies often include phrases like this. She'll always live on in my heart. Or I'll remember him forever. You realize the disciples didn't say that with reference to Jesus? The disciples never said that. That's because they saw Jesus in the flesh, flesh marked with scars, and yes, we have God's living word. For God who said, let light shine out of darkness, has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ, as Paul writes in 2 Corinthians. Well, here's a question. What interferes then? in your life, and I ask myself the same question, what interferes in your life to steer you away from recounting God's steadfast love and revealed in the most amazing way of the Word becoming flesh and dwelling among us? And what gets in the way to interfere with the rejoicing 
that God would want us to have knowing and trusting and believing that Jesus remains our Savior. Well, maybe it's a missed opportunity in life for our students. Maybe it's a flunked exam. Or maybe it's a marriage that is in trouble. Maybe it's a relationship that is broken. Maybe it's going through the grieving process, losing a spouse. Just before services, we were talking about, you know, how memorable deaths are when they happen right around Christmas or other uh, special days of the year. Or maybe it's making a bad decision, and we've all done that. Or maybe it's something so bad that you feel as though you are damned before God forever. Well, Jesus is the solution. He is the solution for every kind of trouble. And I'll say it again, Jesus is the solution for every kind of trouble. He's the one that breaks into whatever the interference is that would love to separate us from him, and he restores to us life. In John chapter 8, our Savior says, I am the light of the world. Whoever walks in darkness will have the light of life. This is our Savior. This is our Lord. This is the one that we recount His steadfast love. But did you hear it? In John 8, includes one of the most wonderful pronouns in the Bible. Listen to it again. I am the light of the world. Whoever, whoever walks in the darkness will have the light of life. Whoever. After all, who isn't a whoever? When we feel as though God's light isn't for us, when we feel like our sin is too great for God's forgiveness, we have God's word in that wonderful pronoun, whoever. Well, what are we doing right now? We're recounting God's steadfast love, aren't we? Praise God that Not only do we do that in worship together, but this becomes a celebration daily ongoing in our lives as we recount that Jesus came for whoever. And that's very significant. Think about it in light of maybe your Christmas celebration and you could think about smelling some of those wonderful foods in the kitchen. Maybe it's a pie like a Holly baked us a pecan pie and oh, did that ever smell good? Well, you know, you're there with your fork and you're at home and you're ready to eat it and then the cook, most likely your wife, comes out from the kitchen and she says it's for someone at the church. Don't touch this pie. Don't touch it. Or it's for a friend. Stay away. This is a gift I'm giving to someone else. But oh, isn't it wonderful when whoever baked the pie comes out of the kitchen and says, it's for whoever. Boy, then we dig in, don't we? Because we know whoever is all-inclusive. And uh, whoever's are welcome by the grace of God. And you know, when you think about it, whoever also means whenever. And whenever, it's never too late to live in the light of God's love. God's love is in our midst ongoing. And whoever also means however. However broken you are. However messed up our lives may be. 
God affirms to us that He loves you and me. Isaiah, in a prayer in the midst of absolute rebellion, affirms and recounts how steadfast God's love truly is. Wherever you are, you are not too far from that steadfast love. We lose so much, don't we, in life. We lose jobs and opportunities. We lose friendship and help. We lose hopes and dreams. We lose health. We lose so much in a sin-corrupted world. But here's the good news. We will never, ever lose our place on God's whoever list. Isn't that awesome? Talk about recounting God's steadfast love. Jesus says, again, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Well, what does all this mean? It's God's announcement to the world. It's God's announcement to you and me individually that no shame is too late or or too deep. No hour is too late. No place is too far away. However, whenever, wherever, whoever, and that includes us forever. Let there be light, and there was light. That light that shone out from the manger shines on us. We have God's word. And that word became flesh and dwelt among us. And so, dear brothers and sisters in Christ, knowing God's steadfast love as he's revealed it to us over and over again, but the most incredible way as we see the gospel visually before us in the manger and the cross, may each of us approach every moment of life in the spirit of recounting the steadfast love of our Lord and celebrating that he remains to be our Savior. That's living in the spirit and the truth and the reality of Christmas every moment of every day of our lives. Merry Christmas. In his name, amen. And now may the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, keep our hearts and minds always in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.